John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Good to be with you all here today. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass, uh, the main pastor of this service. Whatever title you want to give me, that's fine. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today on prayer, and we're basing it off of this book by Pete Gregg. You may have seen our post on Facebook about it, but if you have not, here is the book. It's called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. I think he had the title, Be a Simple Guide for Simple People, but I think people would have gotten upset if they were called simple. So it's a simple guide for normal people. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's a really great book. It's probably my favorite book on prayer right now. Really anything written by Pete Gregg, I would highly recommend. He wrote a book on how to hear the voice of God. He wrote a book on the mystery of unanswered prayer. He is just one of my favorite authors on prayer. He leads a movement in England called the 24-7 Prayer Movement that he started about 20 plus years ago where somewhere in one of their prayer rooms across the world there is someone praying for renewal and revival in the church. And so today we're going to be looking at why and how do we pray. So this series we're going to be basing it off an acronym that Pete Gregg uses in his book uh, Pray, P-R-A-Y. And we'll unpack that acronym about how we can pray uh, throughout the series. But today we're looking at how and why do we pray. So this will be the first two chapters in the book. If you have the book and you want to follow along with us, we're going over chapter 1 and 2 today. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to open up, we're going to be in Psalm 63 for today. I was listening to an interview uh, with Tim Keller a couple months ago. Um, Tim Keller was a pastor at Resurrection Church who recently passed away. Uh, he was a pastor in New York City, and he specifically uh, was a pastor to a very secular Manhattan society there in New York City. And he was doing an interview there at the end of his life, sort of reflecting on his ministry. And uh, one of the, the interview person asked Tim, he was like, you know, if you could go back to your younger self and do anything differently, what would you do differently? And he kind of paused for a second, and then he said, I wish I prayed more. You know, and I hear that from a lot of older pastors as well. That seems to be a common theme is, you know, as they get older, their prayer lives become more rich and more developed, and they regret not having that prayer life that they had at the end of their ministry like they do in the beginning. And so why is it that we pray? Why is it that we as Christians pray? Why does it seem like throughout human history, there's this natural bent and desire to turn towards prayer. I mean, you look at every single religion, there's an aspect of prayer in every single religion. Uh, you know, the, the joke is that there's no atheists on an airplane that's crashing, right? You know, our beliefs that we hold so deeply when it seems like we're in a life and death situation, we turn to a higher power within our soul, that we turn to prayer in times of crisis. And so why do we pray? The simple answer really is to pray is to be human. 
To pray is to be human. To desire to pray, to reach out and talk to a higher power or a divine being, it reflects this deep-seated need that's written within, within each and every single human to connect with God. It's so profoundly, deeply written within our soul that we pray all the time, even if we don't think we have a rich or vibrant prayer life. I mean, just think about the different times in your life that you turn to the Lord in prayer. I'll just list a few times that I remembered off the top of my head of when I turn to God in prayer. I pray when I get panic and anxiety attacks. I pray when I felt like I was alone growing up. I prayed when I had my first heartbreak as a teenager. I prayed for wisdom on where I should go for college and what I should do with my life. I prayed for guidance about what my career. I prayed a prayer of thanks when I married Erica and a prayer of thanks when Elias was born. And I prayed a prayer of healing and grief when Elias was put into the NICU. I mean, you just think about your life and how in those moments that are uh, the greatest of highs and the greatest of lows, chances are there is a prayer, even if it's a short one-sentence prayer, that's accompanied to those moments. And I'm sure as you think about your own life, you can think of similar moments. And what I love about prayer, and I love specifically about Christian prayer, is the breadth of it, right? Even in those few examples that I lifted, it was the highest of highs in my life and the lowest of lows. That's in the in-between, that every nook and cranny of our life, we can invite the Lord through prayer to enter into our lives. It reflects this need deep within our soul to look to something greater than ourselves. So as we look at today's psalm, Psalm 63, it's a psalm of David when he's in the wilderness, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings, I cling to you, and your right hand upholds me. Lord of God, for you, me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you have David here in the psalm. He's in the middle of the desert. He's in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, this is most likely during a time of David's life that's not really good. There are a few times when you look at the story of David that he has to flee to the wilderness because the enemies are chasing after him because people are coming against him. And it's in this desert season that you see David write this psalm, write this prayer here for God and for us today. You know, as we look at the book of Psalms, uh, you may have been told that it was the song book of Israel, and I think that's partially true, but I prefer to think of the Psalms more as the prayer book of Israel, that these were the prayers that were prayed by these ancient people, and they were sung back to God, that these prayers that were written by David here 
were meant to show us how we are to have relationship with God. So as we think about why do we pray, I think we can see why do we pray here in this Psalm of David. That he talks about this desire and this longing to be in relationship with God. You know, if I asked you why should you pray, you might uh, come up with a few different reasons, like because a pastor told me I had to do it or because I think I know I should do it, or maybe even you say, well, if I, have to, if I want to get things from God, then I need to ask of him first. And I think those are kind of, sort of, right answers, but they're not quite hitting the mark. That the reason we pray, I think, is found here in Psalm 63, we see here in this Psalm of David, the reason we pray is for relationship with God. The reason we pray is for relationship with God. This is the foundational understanding of why we pray. We desire this friendship with the Lord. We desire this intimacy with the Lord, that it is through prayer that we enter into relationship with God. As David says, I am seeking you, God. My heart seeks you. I long for you like I am in a desert without any water. That as we look at why do we pray, we pray because our heart longs to connect with God. As David shows us here, this desire to be in the presence of God, that he's in the wilderness, he's far from Jerusalem, he's far from the temple of God, and he says, Lord, I remember what it was like when I was with you in the temple, and how I long to be with you again, that your love is better than life itself. It's this fundamental longing of the human heart that we see in each and every single one of us, of a desire to connect with God and we fulfill that longing through prayer. What I love about this psalm too is that it, it expresses not only the longing of the human heart but also the breath of expression that prayer can take. You see in the psalm you have the lament of David saying, Lord, it's not like how it used to be. You see also a prayer of an expression of trust that, God, I know that you will watch me. It's a prayer of expression of confidence in God's character that, Lord, I know you will do this for me. And then in a prayer of expression of thanksgiving, God, I thank you that you are the one who upholds me. And then also at the end, in those last few verses that we didn't read, you see a prayer for justice, a prayer for God to come and make things right. You see just the breath of human expression, of human emotion, all in just one psalm. And if you read the rest of the psalms, you just see it's a very human way of talking to God. It's a very human way of interacting with God, and our prayers should reflect that reality as well, that the human life is filled with highs and lows, mountains and valleys, and God meets us in every single one of those spaces. That prayer is meant to fill every single moment of the human life. Like I gave those examples at the beginning, there were highs and lows and everything in between. And as you think about your own life, you could think of your own highs and lows. Maybe you're in a high right now, and you're just so thankful to God. Maybe you're in a valley, and it took everything within your power to simply just show up this morning. That prayer, that talking to the Lord is meant to meet us in every single one of those instances. 
that we desire this relationship with God, we desire this longing within our heart because it's written on our very nature. When you go back to the opening chapters of Genesis, before the fall, before sin enters into the created order, there's this picture of Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. In other words, the the image of perfection is relationship with God, friendship with God. And this is what Jesus comes to do to restore that broken relationship, and he invites us, beckons us deeper into that relationship once more to walk with God again in the cool of gar- in the garden. And that's what prayer is fundamentally about, re-entering that relationship to be like David here in the psalm and to pour out our hearts, our deepest longings, our deepest fears, our deepest angers to the one who knit us together, to the one who loves us and deeply cares for us. That's why we pray, is because it's how we're meant to be and it's how we enter into this relationship with this God who is just absolutely crazy about us. So here's a few things prayer is not. Prayer is not, I think this should be on the screen. Prayer is not a divine vending machine. Uh, sometimes I think we have to say all the right words or we have to pray a certain enough times or I have to you know, enter in the right buttons and then I'll get the goodies from God to come out. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not meant to be a last resort even though that seems like that's often how I tend to treat prayer as more of a last resort, right? You know the phrase, there's nothing that we can do except pray. That's sort of this idea within our culture that prayer is sort of what you do when you reach the end of your rope rather than something that you immediately enter into when crisis comes. And then finally, prayer is not meant to be a chore. Prayer is not meant to be a chore, that it's something that should be a delight in our hearts to do. So that's what prayer is not. Prayer is, like I've already said, fundamentally a relationship with God. Prayer is fundamentally about relationship with God. It's about uh, entering into that relationship with Him and talking with Him and having Him talk back to us. Prayer is relationship fundamentally. Secondly, prayer is meant to be a time where we are transformed by God. When we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time talking with him when we spend time interacting with him and letting him talk to us we are transformed and our hearts become more like him as we yield ourselves to him through prayer and then finally prayer is meant to be a delight and it becomes a delight when we recognize the one who we're talking to the one who deeply loves us, the one who fulfills our heart's deepest longings. It becomes a delight like David here. You know, when I read these psalms and they talk about how they just delight to pray, how they delight to enter into the presence of the Lord, sometimes I'll read them and I'll just say, Lord, can you give me a heart like that? Lord, can you make my heart delight and leap with joy to enter into prayer with you? So that's what prayer is and what prayer is not. And so we've been looking at why we pray, but not knowing how to pray, I think, often prevents us from entering into the richness of prayer. That's been my experience throughout my ministry time, is that uh, many times I'll have people say to me uh, that they're uncomfortable praying out loud. 
And I think that's usually based around some sort of shame around prayer. That this idea that I don't know how to pray or I'm afraid that my prayers won't be perfect or that my prayers won't be good enough compared to others who pray out loud, that there's usually some type of shame based around not praying out loud and just in general shame around prayer. And I think it's based on uh, not knowing how to pray or simply thinking that there's, there's this magical formula that I have to follow and if I don't follow it perfectly, then my prayers aren't good. And that idea just, just really breaks my heart because prayer is not meant to be a performance we learn, but it's simply talking to our Heavenly Father. It's simply just talking to Jesus. And so my hope is that through this series, we can take away the stigma and the shame that often surrounds prayer because God is not sitting up there angry with us for not knowing how to pray or for praying wrong. God is always waiting for us with great anticipation to approach him in prayer. That there should be no shame surrounding our prayers because it's us simply talking to God. Like I said, this book's on Pete Gregg's, this series is based on Pete Gregg's book, and in his book he writes uh, about his advice on prayer, and he gives kind of three simple rules on prayer, three simple words of encouragement. He says to keep it simple, keep it real and keep it up keep it simple keep it real and keep it up pretty simple advice right and he says keep it simple starting off keeping it simple which is this idea it's just us talking with god we don't have to have the right words we don't have to have big theological dictionaries that all we need to do is just simply tell the lord what is in our hearts jesus tells this parable um, or tells a story in the Gospels about uh, these two men who are praying. One is showing off about how fancy his language is. He's using a lot of big uh, $100 words. He's uh, showing off to everyone around him how great and mighty and theologically sound and accurate his prayers are, and he's just making a big show of it. And then Jesus tells that at the same place there's this other person, a uh, sinner, who is simply just beating his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus compares the two men, and he says, the, the heart of the Father is more for the prayer of the simple person than the one who surrounds their prayer with the fluffy things around it. That we don't need to complicate our prayer. That when you're scared, just simply say, Lord, give me peace. When someone you love is sick, say, Lord, I need you to heal them. When you don't know what to do, just simply say, Lord, give me wisdom in the moment. I think we have this false idea that simple prayers are not effective prayers. But I think it's just the opposite, that the simplicity of our prayers makes them more effective because it's simply just us telling the Lord what is in our hearts and keep it simple. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off. I mean, just look at the Psalm 63, the Psalm of David. This is a very simple prayer by David. He's basically saying, Lord, I need you again. Lord, I need to be in your presence again. Lord, I need you to protect me and watch over me. Uh, David, in this short prayer, in this psalm, keeps it very simple and so our prayers can be kept simple as well so keep it simple and keep it real keep it 
real. That just means simply being honest with God. Keeping it real is simply about being honest with God. I will say, for most of my uh, adult life, or most of my life growing up, uh, I didn't think I could be real with God. You know, you ever have that feeling of like, oh, this is how I really feel, but it would be impious of me if I prayed this way to God. Now, I remember there was one time specifically in college where uh, I was going through a really, really difficult period in my life, and I was like, well, I can't, I can't hold these angry prayers back. You know what I'm talking about? Those angry prayers to God. And so I remember I just started praying those angry prayers. I told him how I was really feeling in my heart, how I was angry with him, how I was upset with him, I was angry about what I was going through, and I just remember that it was in that season of my life that my Christian walk went from being something uh, that I just did to a real transformative relationship with God, because I realized in that moment, in that season, that God doesn't care about the sort of fake veneer that we put on ourselves, if you want to have a real transformative relationship with the Lord, to go from a safe relationship to a real honest relationship, just simply be honest with Him in your prayers. Just simply tell Him how you feel. Just simply tell Him the deepest parts of your heart that you haven't told anyone else. Tell Him your deepest joys, your deepest fears, your deepest heartaches. That's what David does here. He lifts up the, dip, the depth of his heart that, God, uh, it's like I'm in a desert. God, it's like I'm in a dry land where there is no water. God, I remember how it used to be, and God, it's not like that anymore. Lord, would you come and fix it? Lord, my enemies are trying to come and kill me. Lord, would you deal with my enemies? That David is very real about what is going on in his heart. And David says, Lord, I need you to do this. That Lord, this is how I really am, raw, vulnerable. And that's how God invites us to enter into prayer with him. To be simple and honest in our prayers. And then finally, keep it real, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Eugene Pearson is one of my favorite Christian authors, uh, and he said, he describes discipleship this way. He said, discipleship is simply a long obedience in the same direction. That discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. In other words, it's simply just doing the same thing for a long period of time. And I think it's the same way with our prayer life. That a rich and vibrant prayer life is not something that we just decide we're going to have one day and then it just poof, develops overnight. <clears throat> Paul describes the Christian life like running a marathon. That it's not something that we just suddenly go out and do one day and we're experts at it, but it takes time for that relationship to develop. It takes time for our prayer life to develop, but what we need to do is continue to choose to enter into the Lord with prayer. And it doesn't have to be long, but the Lord just invites us to keep up a life of prayer, to choose in the highs and the lows and the mountains and the valleys and all everywhere in between, to choose to enter into the Lord with prayer because that is where the real meat of transformation happens. 
is not when we're necessarily in the depth of a crisis, but it's the transformation that happens when we're not in a crisis. To keep it up, to choose to say yes to the Lord each day, doesn't have to be simple or it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be simple prayers, can be short prayers. I think the Lord just desires for us to talk with him again and to listen to his voice and to be in his presence and to have him tell us just how much he loves us and cherishes us and desires for us to meet with him. I'd like to invite the band back up. C.S. Lewis gave this advice on prayer. He said, begin where you are. Begin where you are. You know, Jesus doesn't expect us to be rock stars right out of the gate, right? He tells us to begin where we are. And so as we come to the table, you know, oftentimes at the end of a sermon, a pastor will say, like, I challenge you to do this. I felt the Lord very clearly say, don't challenge my people to pray. Invite my people to pray. Hear the invitation from Jesus to simply just start where you are. You may have a rich prayer life already, and you may have been developing that for years to just continue in that, but maybe you feel like you have no idea where to start, or maybe you don't even have a desire to have a prayer life. You know, the best prayer that I prayed was when I was in high school, and I said, Lord, help me want to pray, that that's an okay place to start as well to start with a simple prayer in the morning or maybe just praying the Lord's Prayer at noon every day or just by praying a prayer of thanksgiving at night to simply, wherever you find yourself, to just start wherever you are. Not because I'm telling you, not because of anything else, but because we hear the invitation from Jesus that he desires this rich and deep intimacy with each and every single one of us for a deeper, richer life with him. And that life can only come when we choose to enter into prayer with him. So as we come to the communion table and we hear the invitation of Christ at the communion table, I would invite you to also hear the invitation of the Lord to enter into prayer with him. Because as I found in my own life, you know, sometimes prayer is the only thing that gets me through the day. Sometimes prayer is the only thing that I can turn to when everything else falls apart. And the best thing that I found in my short time here on earth is that the Lord is faithful every time we come to him. The Lord always shows up. You know, he's not waiting on us, or we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. So would you hear this invitation that the Lord is good and desires to meet with each and every single one of you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Thank Spirit. Thank you for listening with us. Amen. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.